0: Hey everybody, it's that time again. It's Nick the American, I'm your host Nick, and we're gonna have a little chat today about what I do not know. You know what we're gonna start with? We're gonna start with my kidney stone. I have not passed it yet, or at least I do not know if I've passed it, okay? I told you a couple episodes ago, the pain, the real pain of a kidney stone is when it leaves your kidney. I'm not in any pain. I'm not straining my pee anymore. I'm off any sort of medication whatsoever. I have an appointment next week with my urologist and maybe we'll find out where this stone is. Maybe I passed it. I don't know how that's possible to pass a five millimeter stone out my you know what. But my last appointment with the urologist said, hey, it's very possible you won't feel a damn thing. And so. I'm not really sure how that, that that's possible, but I'm pain-free. I think I still have the kidney stone inside me, but that's about it. That's it. There's your update on my kidney stone. All right. NHL. I talked about the NHL last episode. The Seattle Kraken were, let's see here, 3-2 with the Colorado Avalanche. And guess what? We beat the Avs in seven. What? Like I said, hockey, I just bow to these guys. Just they're, they're assassins. They're, unbel- they're skilled assassins. Also, we saw the Boston Bruins get defeated by the Florida Panthers in seven games. Yikes. The best record in the history of the NHL. Mo- the most points ever in a regular season. And it's up in flames. And I tell my friends in Boston, I've been there. I've been there. The Seattle Mariners in in 2001 posted an MLB record, 116 wins. We then beat the Indians in the divisional round, 3-2, and then we lost in the ALCS to the New York Yankees in six games, and we squandered the greatest record in the history of Major League Baseball. We could have laid claim to an argument that we were the greatest baseball team ever had we have finished the job and won the World Series. But, of course, the Seattle Mariners have never been to the World Series. So that obviously didn't happen. So, Boston, I feel with you. I feel for you. You squandered an incredible opportunity, and I'm sure it hurts like hell. Yikes. All right. What else? I want to talk about the police for a second. Not too long, but a second. I have so much respect for cops, unless they're pulling me over. You know for a traffic ticket. I have so much respect for these the, these men and women. Their job right now in the United States of America has to be among the toughest jobs in the country. They don't get paid that much and they have to deal with the American public and a lot of shady fucking characters. Okay. Who wants to pull over somebody at 2 30 in the morning when you've ran their license plate and it's stolen? And you're walking up to that vehicle at 2.30 in the morning and and you want to go home and see your wife and your kids, right? The training that they go through to be able to respond properly, just the overall stress of the job. It probably has never been tougher in the history of our country to be a cop than it is today. You've got the, the body cameras, every single move you make. Is under scrutiny, and 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 rightfully so, right? Because we see, you know, we saw what happened in Memphis. We've seen, you know, so many different instances where there was pre police brutality, or you could make a case that there was police brutality. So I I, w- I want to throw my support at the blue. I see Blue Lives Matter. Back the blue. To me, it's like no shit. No shit, Blue Lives Matter. No kidding, you should back the blue. Now, that doesn't mean you can't scrutinize the blue. You know, I always say, yeah, everyone's seen the video of Rodney King, right? You see, you see Rodney King getting beaten by like 20 officers. And it in the 90s, right, it got caught on video. There were no iPhones. You know, now everything gets caught on video, but this literally got caught on video. And you have to ask yourself, is Rodney King the first time this has ever happened, or is the 10,000th time? And this was the first time it ever got caught on video like this. And, and now they all get caught on video, and cops are under enormous scrutiny. I was looking it up on Wikipedia. There's 800,000 police officers in the country. Now, roughly 130,000 of them are federal agents, like CIA, FBI. But there's 8, 800,000 cops. And all it takes is a hundred bad cops to fuck everything up, a white supremacist cop who's doing you know awful things, right? And so on one hand, cops need to be held accountable. That's just the nature of the job. But I really just I want to throw my support out to the blue, and I want to work with them. I want to make their jobs easier. I want them to reform themselves because they're not perfect. They need to weed out. If if there's 100 bad cops out of the 800,000 or it's 1,000 bad cops, we need to find them. We need to get them the fuck out. That's very difficult because 790,000 cops can do the right thing all the time. All the time. And it just takes a few to screw everything up like we saw in Memphis recently. With the black cops beating, you know, killing the, 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 the black guy. Now, in my party, I don't know of any, any, any prominent Democrats. Senate, House, certainly not Joe Biden. He's been, been clear on this. But we hear defund the police. I want to be very clear here. Anybody in the Democratic Party who is calling to defund the police... I got a message. Get the fuck out of the Democratic Party. Get out. The Democratic Party or the Republican Party for that matter. Political parties are about progress, you know, making people's lives better, hopefully, right? That's what they're supposed to be about. In order to do that, you have to win elections. And if you've got a campaign of defund the police, you're not going to win an election and nor should you. We need police out there protecting us, keeping us safe. Now, police are people just like we are. And when you have 800,000 people, there's no way. I don't care what kind of oversight you have over the, you know, over the department. There's no way that you can have 800,000 perfect cops. It's just not gonna happen. There's bad cops out there. Hey, for example, I was seven years old my very first year of tackle football for the Renton Rangers in Renton, Washington. My coach was a police sergeant by the name of Matthew Bachmeyer. Look him up, Matt Bachmeyer.
1: He was a murderer. 1996,
0: he murdered a black dude. He burnt down his own house. Okay. Then he detained a black guy and murdered him and tried to pin the arson on him. He collected the insurance money. This was my football coach. He was a bad dude. He was a bad dude. Okay. And someone like Matt Bachmeyer gives the police. An awful name, an awful name. So, again, if you are for defunding the police, that's the wrong approach. That's the wrong conversation to have. I just want to let everybody know out there, this liberal Democrat, and, and, and almost all Democrats, maybe there's some wacko on the Seattle City Council that wants to defund the police, and we need to get him or her the fuck out. But nobody in the Democratic leadership, none. In fact, on the Republican side, everyone is back to blue, back to blue, back to blue. And I mentioned that there's 800,000 cops in the country, 130,000 of them being federal agents on the federal level, CIA, FBI. We've seen prominent Republicans back to blue. Defund the CIA. Defund the FBI. They're all blue. They're all blue. You don't get to pick and choose. And why are you saying defund the CIA or the FBI while accusing the other side of defunding the police? Why are you saying that? Because they went after your king. Because they went after your king. Anybody think Trump's innocent? No one does. Even his supporters know he's as guilty as shit, right? Right. But the CIA and the FBI, look at it. Bob Mueller. Remember the Mueller, the, you know, the, the Mueller report? Bob Mueller, the CIA, head of the, former head of the CIA, right? A lifelong Republican appointed by Jeff Sessions, the attorney general. Wasn't appointed by Democrats. Democrats didn't have control of the House. Bob Mueller, CIA. Lifelong Republican. Oh, Jeff Sessions, Trump's own attorney general, appoints him. And he, after, after Donald Trump fired another Republican, the FBI director, James Comey, lifelong Republican. Trump fires him, and Trump's own attorney general brings in Bob Mueller to look at
1: Trump's dealings with Russia.
0: CIA, FBI, lifelong Republicans, Jeff Sessions, Trump's own attorney general. So they look into it. This occurs, and guess what? Republicans all of a sudden want to defund the CIA or the FBI. It's a witch hunt against their king. Don't blur them. FBI, CIA, police officers, I respect the heck out of you. I think we need to work with police officers more and more. They're getting better. There's no way you can tell me that the police officers in the United States of America are not getting better. We're weeding out people. They're being scrutinized like never before. And I feel, I feel really bad for police officers trying to do their job today in this environment. It's almost impossible. Who would want to be a cop today? They don't get paid shit. Everyone hates them. Well, not this liberal Democrat. Fund the police. You hear me? Fund the police. So,
1: enough of that. Let's talk about something a
0: little little sweeter. So as I mentioned to you guys, I own my own company. I own a company called Specchem Direct, and it's uh, short for specialty chemical. And I manufacture chemicals in the pool and spa industry. And over the course of several, several, several years, um, I do something called a sales blitz. And I've done sales blitzes all over the country. And basically what I do is I will call up 30, 40, 50 pool dealers in a certain area, whether it's the Dallas Fort Worth area, the Northeast, uh, whether it's Northern California, Southern California. And so in this particular instance, I was going to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? I've done sales blitzes in, in, in East Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. But this this particular sales blitz that I want to talk about was in Pittsburgh. And so basically, I kind of draw a line, like a two-hour line around uh, the Pittsburgh area. And I call as many dealers as I can, um, you know, a month before I'm headed out. And I, you know, I have a conversation if they're interested in potentially buying my chemicals direct as opposed to going through distribution or something like that. And I even might send them samples prior to my arrival. I try to qualify them the best that I can. Okay. And so I usually take about, I have about 30 leads, qualified leads, and I map it out. And I spend a, you know, I usually fly out on a Sunday and I spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just seeing dealers. And I try to see 30 of them, you know, in, in four days. And then I fly out on Friday. Okay. And so, I go to Pittsburgh and I've got my 30 leads and I'm driving to an account. It's a pool service company and a pool builder in a place called Denora, Pennsylvania. And Denora is like 20, 30 miles, excuse me, 20, 30 minutes um, south of Pittsburgh. Okay, so that's where I'm at. And as I get into Denora, it becomes very apparent that this is a dead town. There's like 4,000 people that live there. Everything is boarded up. Everything is boarded up. I'm driving through and and the only open business that I could find was like some quick, quickie Mart. Okay. Everything else is in ruins. Um, This is a city in a movie set, a town in a movie set that has died. Apocalyptic times. The town struck me. It's it 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 struck me. It was a literal piece of Americana. I love, you know, antique roadshow, pawn stars when they pull out some old piece of Americana. Well, this wasn't some lamp from 1865, right? That was made in America. This was a town that appeared at one point that was alive and and in kicking, that was completely dead. And I I even I I got out of I got out of my rental car and I walked Main Street and there were there were these these flags on on the posts with like soldiers from the Korean War, the Vietnam War that had died in, 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 in serving our country. And I remember taking pictures of some of these soldiers. This town just had an eerie feel. To it, I was drawn to it. I couldn't explain it. Well, I go in literally. I one of the open businesses in Denora, Pennsylvania, was this Quickie Mart, and it's one of those Quickie Marts. where I think I bought like a Jack Links jerky, and I, you know, I open the bag and you know start chewing on the jerky, and went, "Oh my god, this stuff's like six years old!" Holy moly, you know. So it wasn't like they were really moving through inventory, if you know what I mean. So there's this pool pool service company/slash builder in Denora. And they don't and I'm like, God, what are you guys doing here? Like, we don't do any business in Denora. And I'm like, obviously, right? There's no business here. They're a high-end pool builder that goes, you know, out. The rent obviously probably was next to nothing in Denora. And so Most of their customers were 30, 40, 50 minutes, an hour outside of Denora. And so this was just the headquarters. I sat down with them. You know, typical Nick. Did I sell them? Nope. I got rejected, right? Oh, for one for me. But I continued along my way. But I even had a conversation with my wife that night on the phone. Like, God, I was at this place called Denora. And it was so eerie this dead town that once was alive just something about it honey it was just so different i i I don't know why it's it's pulling at me so fast forward a couple of days and i find myself driving to a town called franklin pennsylvania okay franklin pennsylvania is anything like denora pennsylvania it is a cute town very cute. About an hour and a half north of Pittsburgh. OK, now I'm up way up north. And I go meet a pool and spa company called Kelly's Pools and Spas. And literally, it's just been sold. I I, I go in there and there's a, a, a man by the name of Jubal. Hey, Jubal, how's it going, buddy? I didn't sell Jubal either. But Jubal had just, just bought the business, just bought Kelly's Pools and Spas. And he, came for, he, he, he ran a funeral home. That's what he did prior to buying Kelly's Pools and Spas. And so he got out of the bereavement industry, and now he was an owner of a pool and spa company. And me and him sat down and went through the product catalog. And, you know, he leveled with me. Hey, Nick, I'm new at this. You know, I'm looking at the numbers um, of what we've done in the past with these kind of chemicals. The light chemistry that you sell that you're trying to replace. I mean, I could place like a thousand dollar order maybe across you know the entire year. You know, but I'm kind of a waste of your time. And, And I agreed. And 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 you know, knowing you know what you're walking into, what kind of dealer it is, if there's potential or not. I don't want to waste anybody's time. But me and Jubal. We were about the same age and we had you know, a lot of different conversations, sports conversations. It was fun. And Jubal asks me, he says, so, so where have you been? Where have you been in your travels? Tell me. And of course, I brought up, I said, hey, Jubal, I was in a town called Denora, Pennsylvania, and it just made the hair on my, my back stand up. This, 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 this piece of Americana uh, that I walked through was just crazy. And he said to me, do you know that there's two Baseball Hall of Famers from Denora, Pennsylvania? And can you name them? He said, can you name them? I said, hell no, I can't name them. Who are they? And Jubal looked at me and he said, one is Stan Musial,
1: Stan the man.
0: And then he said to me, the other is Ken Griffey Jr. And I looked at Jubal and I said, no, 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 Griffey's from Cincinnati. He said, oh, no, he's not. Griffey, you think he's from Cincinnati because his dad played for the Cincinnati Reds. But Griffey, just like Griffey Sr. and just like Gus, his grandfather, was born and raised in Denora Pennsylvania literally as i tell you this right now the hair on my back is standing up something about denora pennsylvania and now this guy in franklin pennsylvania is telling me that cangrophy junior was born and raised in this dead town no way i got my phone up i said no i can't I can't believe this Lo and behold, Ken Griffey Jr. is from Denora, Pennsylvania. His grandfather, Gus, played on the high school baseball team with Stan Musial. And it all started making sense because I remember as a young kid, Ken Griffey Jr., his favorite player was Stan Musial. And it was weird. It was like, why is it Stan Musial? And I'm looking on the Internet and I'm like, holy moly, there was an article in the Seattle Times written about Griffey's birthplace and where he was raised in Northern Pennsylvania. He was being inducted in the Hall of Fame years earlier. And a sports writer for the Seattle Times, while going to Cooperstown, made a stop in Griffey's hometown. Well, I made a stop there too. And it moved me in the fact that my childhood baseball hero, every, every, every kid in the state of Washington who liked baseball that's my age, Their baseball idol was Ken Griffey Jr. And here I was in his hometown. Unbelievable. So one of the cool things about sales blitzes, when I do sales blitzes, is I get to set up shop in a place like Pittsburgh with so much history. And I get to drive around and really get intimate with some of these towns and these cities. And, boy, was I grateful that I made the stop at Denora, Pennsylvania. Because for a moment, I got to be in the same place, in the same town, that my baseball idol, one of the greatest baseball players ever to play, was from. Ken Griffey Jr. lived not too far from my house when he was first coming up with the Mariners. Glenn, you know, remember Glenn Co Kenny? Remember, you lived with your mom? We used to go trick-or-treating at your house. He used to pass out the full candy bars. He used to play. Ken Griffey Jr. used to come over. There was a couple times where, now it wasn't with me, but I know guys. He played wiffle ball at Glencoe Park. He was a kid. He was the kid. One more thing about Ken Griffey Jr. He was 18 years old. I was at the Kingdom front of like six thousand fans because no one gave a shit about the seattle mariners we were awful and there was this 18 year old kid from bellingham our our farm system named ken griffey jr who was up being honored barely knew who he was knew we had this young phenom in our farm system that was the number one overall pick and supposed to be great and he was being honored in the kingdom and after the game, you know, I would run around the kingdom and get autographs. And there's this 18-year-old kid standing outside of the kingdom. And people are running around trying to get Mike Kingery's autograph or Steve Trout's autograph, these shitty baroners. No offense, Mike Kingery. I love you, buddy. But one of the greatest baseball players to ever lace him up is an 18 year old kid and he's standing right outside the kingdom. The kid from Denora, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I walk up to him and I'm showing this. We'll have a YouTube channel soon. I'm showing this. I have Kenny sign this baseball right here. I didn't know what I was doing. I was too young and so was Kenny. I didn't have a ballpoint pen to sign it on the sweet spot. We used a sharpie. And he signed it all wrong. But this ball means a lot to me. Because.
1: When Ken Griffey Jr. Signed this baseball.
0: He wasn't far from removed from Denora, Pennsylvania. He had never hit a major league home run. And so this ball might not be worth a lot. To most people. And. I've got a ball collection with DiMaggio and Mantle and Aaron and Gibson and Koufax. No ball means more to me than this one. He was 18 years old and he'd never hit a major league home run. I love you, Ken Griffey Jr. Even though you were always kind of awkward, you played the game like a kid. All right, Kenny, enough of that. We had the NFL draft. I spoke about it last week. Let's, let's touch on it. Stetson Bennett, I talked about it. He's the only player of right? to me. Well, he, that wasn't probably totally true. But Stetson Bennett got taken the fourth round by the Rams. Nice, like 128th or something overall. Hey, McVeigh, you recognize a baller when you see one, right? I like it. Not going to spend a ton of time talking about the draft, but I do want to talk about a couple of the Bronco picks. The Broncos moved up in the third round to select uh, Oklahoma wide receiver Marvin Mims. Okay, big deal. Right, wonderful. We also moved up to select a cornerback out of Iowa. It's a Hawkeye baby, named Riley Moss. And the reason why I bring up Riley Moss, like who cares? It's a third-round pick, right, a corner. So what? He's a white cornerback. We haven't had a white cornerback in the NFL since Jason Seahorn. This just does not happen. You can root for a football team forever and never see a white cornerback. And it got me thinking, you know, poor Riley. He's this badass white corner, and he got drafted in the third round. You watch his tape. He's a ball hawk. He is an animal. He's fast. He's big. The only problem is he's white, right? He's white. I ask myself, and I'm not getting it. I'm just asking a question, right? Right? I'm not trying to divide anybody. If Riley Moss was black, would he have been taken around sooner? Probably. I mean, probably, right? There are no white corners. Just like, and it's not the same, but there are a long time where a black quarterback no matter how good he was, he wasn't going to get a look, right? Warren Moon had to go win four great cups in a row before the NFL would consider a black quarterback. Black quarterbacks weren't smart enough. They weren't good enough. They liked to run too much. They couldn't throw. None of that was really true. We just weren't ready as a society or a league for a black quarterback. Now, it's different with a white cornerback. Because they just can't play the position, whether it's fast twitch muscle fibers or whatever. White corners just don't exist. And and they're not being blackballed like black quarterbacks were. They just just don't exist. So Riley Moss, it'll be interesting. He'll have a lot of eyes on him. And it'll be interesting to see how he does. But... As a Denver Bronco fan, let's see here. We had John Lynch as a safety. <clears throat> and then we had Steve Foley, another safety in the mid 80s, early 80s. We've never had a white corner. It'll be interesting if they move him to safety, which there's some talk about. He's a hybrid, maybe. Um, maybe that talk is all because he's white. Oh, shit, right? You know, he might have been a corner, but, you know, white corners, they don't really exist. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Riley Moss, check him out on tape. The kid is a straight-up baller, a straight-up baller. Yeah, so we didn't draft in the third round because obviously Russell Wilson. So hopefully Russell Wilson can get his shit together. But uh, I heard a story. Russell Wilson went into Dove Valley. I'm pretty sure this is true. But he went in to meet Sean Payton. And Sean Payton's favorite movie, it just turns out, happens to be Rambo First Blood. And so apparently, Russell comes into the building and Sean Payton takes him down to the the shower stalls and asks Russ to take off all his clothes. Russell Wilson's like, what the fuck? Nathaniel Hackett couldn't ask me to do a one thing and have me listen. Sean Payton wants me to take off my clothes. Sean Payton has him take off. Russell Wilson is buck naked right in front of Sean Payton. And what does he do? Told you, his favorite movie's first blood Rambo. He takes a fucking fire hose to Russell Wilson. And he just sprays the shit out of him. He cleanses him. Then he tells him, Russ, we're starting over, baby. We're starting over. Hopefully the fire hose worked. I love it, Sean Payton. Thinking out of the box. I like it. We keep moving. Machine gun fire here. Machine gun fire. So, unfortunately, let's just touch really quick on the 2024 presidential election. It appears, it really does, um, that Donald Trump versus Joe Biden is what we're getting. We're going to get a rematch. Ron DeSantis has declared, or I think he's declared, I know that they're running commercials here in Seattle. Um, I see Ron DeSantis commercials. Like I talked about, DeSantis has to transition from a candidate in Florida to a national candidate. And the the buzz, the noise so far is that he's not doing very good. And my advice to Ron is, dude, if you're going to run, run. Get both feet in there. Don't be afraid of the king. You're going to make mistakes. But my advice to you, make them. Make them. Let everybody know you're in for the long haul and you'll improve. Right. It's not easy going from a, 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 a state candidate to a national candidate, especially when you're not used to it. So, Ron, jump in. Go after the Don. Let's go. Let's go. I see Asia Hutchinson's in the former governor of Arkansas. I think we have Sununu who's in. But come on, Republicans. He's not a sitting president go after him somebody challenge him on the democratic side biden has announced he's going to run again no 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 great i'm you know not what i want not what i want but he's a sitting president it's different republicans you don't have a sitting president right now okay you typically do not primary a sitting president i think really if you want to go back ted kennedy he he went after jimmy carter in 1980 i believe and he won several states i believe he won california and new york didn't concede i believe until the the convention so it has happened is there a democrat smart enough, a big enough profile that is willing to primary Joe Biden. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my fingers. It might be the perfect situation where most people aren't interested in primarying a sitting president. And there is a Democrat that is, that's got enough of a profile, that's got a real chance to beat Biden. I'm crossing my fingers that that happens. So we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about Trump and Biden. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. It's going to happen plenty. So
1: it's, It
0: is fucking frustrating. This is a rematch that nobody wants. Republicans find another candidate. Don is a total piece of shit. He's a total turd. You guys know that. And Joe, he is not a piece of shit. I've highlighted the human that he is. Lindsey Graham has told us how great of a person Joe Biden is. But man, go off into the sunset. Retire. All right. Last thing I want to talk about, and I was thinking about this the other day. Who is your person. What do I mean by that? If you could meet for an afternoon, for an evening, have a few beers, have a cocktail, have dinner, if you could hang with any person in the
1: world, who would it be?
0: Who would that person be? Now, they have to be living, You can't say, oh, I want to hang out with Jesus, right? They have to be living. You can't say, hey, I want to hang out with Hitler so I can beat the shit out of him. Nope. They have to be living. And this one is an easy one for me. Sort of. I have two people that literally I go back and forth on. Forth and back back and forth. I can't decide. The second I think I've decided, I change my mind. The first person on my list is Barack Obama. I love Obama. We've talked about respect on this show. I respect Jim Jordan. We talk about respecting people, even though you don't, might not agree with them. You might not agree with Obama being a Democrat. He might have you know different policy than you. But he was a
1: good man. He was a classy individual. Obama was, he,
0: he defined class in my mind. Obama is a personal idol of mine. To be the first black president of the United States, he had to be literally perfect in some regards. If you recall,
1: when Barack was running against John McCain, and Barack had a a pastor named Reverend Wright,
0: and Reverend Wright said some controversial things, and people on the, the right, oh my God, this is Obama's pastor, you know, you've got to cancel him. That's when you know you're a really good person is when the worst thing that they can say about you is something somebody else said. Reverend Wright said this, not Obama. That's literally as bad as he ever got. He was
1: professional.
0: And he sorely missed. You see how Biden runs things. You see how Donald Trump runs things. You didn't have to vote for Obama. But if you don't respect him, I don't know what you're looking at. I just don't know what you're looking at. And so the idea of sitting down with Barack Obama and having a beer, maybe smoking a joint with him, it's unbelievable.
1: It's unbelievable. It's president of the United States. I would, I would love, I would give anything to meet Obama. Now, there's one other
0: person that I go back and forth on that I think, I think, this person trumps Obama. And this is a conservative. This is a conservative. Who is that person for Nick the
1: American? It's John Elway. It's John fucking Elway. From the time I was
0: seven, tell. Till now, he just stepped down, you know, uh, you know in, in all capacity as an executive for the Denver Broncos. But my entire life, my, my, I mean, my number one idol was not Ken Griffey Jr. It was, it, it was John Elway, the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And I think about all the things that me and John have in common.
1: All the different games I could talk about with him.
0: 1986, the drive. Right. Some of the epic Super Bowl defeats and, 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 and how you had to persevere through that. Losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars in 96 when we were the one seed, the first one seed ever to lose. The ecstasy of beating the Green Bay Packers and me sobbing like a, a little boy. Meeting John Elway is something that I've always wanted to do. I've never shaken his hand. I've never gotten his autograph. I've written to him a, a few times and gotten things back in the mail with like a stamp autograph. But I've never gotten to meet John Elway. So my two people, Barack Obama and John Elway. And, 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 and it's Obama. It's the president of the United States, right? Holy moly. On the other hand,
1: me and John Elway could talk forever
0: about all of the different times that he made my life better. He thrilled me. So, incredibly difficult choice. Who is your person? Who would you love to sit down and
1: have a beer with, hang out with, For an afternoon or an evening. It's a fun question.
0: All right. Hey. Nick the American is about. Hell, I don't even know what it's about. You know. We're going to. You know. You never know what we're going to talk about. What direction we're going to go in. I don't even know. I don't even know. But I want you to join me. I want you to join me. Because when we talk about politics the right way, there's prosperity for us in that. When we talk about sports, there is prosperity in that. I want everybody to prosper. Red, blue, independent. The one-third of the country that doesn't even vote. Join me. Join me. It's okay to talk about politics. It's okay to blend sports and pop culture. But most importantly, join me in changing the tone. We're better when we change the tone. We've gotta be kinder to each other. It's just as simple as that. And so Nick the American is changing the tone one episode at a time. Join me. I can't do it without you. I cannot do it without you. We, the people have to do it. That's it. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Love you. Bye.